Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Welcome, one and all, to Monday Football Monday here on the SB Nation NFL Show, sponsored by DraftKings. Stay tuned because you will hear more about DraftKings and all that has to offer throughout the show. DraftKings, the crown is yours. As noted, this is the SB Nation NFL Show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. That's Apple devices, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. I don't know all of them, but whichever one it is, search for the SB Nation NFL Show. Subscribe, leave a rating, write a review. Or else, you can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. Subscribe there as well. Like the video. Pay the like text, as uh, the content creators like to say. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss any alerts whenever we do go live. It is the last Monday in the month of February, despite the fact that we are in the middle of a leap year. So we have a whole entire extra day to mess around with. And we're going to mess around here for a little bit. The incredible Rachelle Prevet on the ones and twos, keeping us alive. Our lives are literally in her hands. My name is RJ Ochoa. With me here today, the one and only JP Acosta. JP, happy Monday to you. What do you plan on doing with the extra day that the leap year has afforded you? I'm not really sure. Probably going to be doing some more scouting because the NFL draft is quickly approaching us. And I have to add more players to my Top 50 big board that just released for SB Nation last week. And then eventually we'll get to a top 100, then a top 150, possibly, then maybe a top 200, depending on the vibes. So we will be continuing to scout. If you're only doing 200, I think you're kind of slacking. I mean, you know, there's how many picks? 372 or whatever it is. So, I mean, the very least you could do is, you know, do a list that large. Yeah, maybe I'll do like a top 500 and just. Yeah, I mean, help, help out people with UDFAs. You know what I mean? Like, we we need that. Uh, but J and the UFL getting started. So like, I that's like right. We got to get um, something out for them. Uh, who's, who's your UFL team. So it's very, it's very rough because the XFL team they had in Orlando was also bad and they didn't choose to continue with the XFL team in Orlando. So now I have to choose a different team for the UFL. I think I'm going to roll with the DC defenders, but I- any team coached by Wade Phillips will get a uh, get a shout from me, and that's right. And then I did some uh, I did a video piece breaking down the uh, Battle Hawks, which I think is a very cool story. So I'm still try- I'm still in the process of figuring out my U- my new UFL team. If anybody has any recommendations, please let me know. I uh, I'm a San Antonio. Do you say Brahma or Brahma? Brahma. I'm assuming it's like Brahma Bull, like The Rock. Well, I I know. It's kind of popular in the state of Texas, like a popular high school mascot. So I know people who go both ways. Um, but I generally go Brahmas. But if you want to establish it as Brahmas, I'm fine with that, too. So, yeah, I mean, I think Wade, Phil- Wade isn't going to care as long as we're supporting San Antonio and Wade Phillips. Of course, we always support Wade Phillips in this household. I just always as someone who is not from Texas, I see Brahma and I think Brahma Bull, like The Rock, who also is the mm-hmm. founder or the I guess the founder and owner of the uh, of the new league. 
So yeah, I assume Brahma Bull. It could be Brahma. I'm I'm open to it being either. Um, last thing before we um, get into all the football action, because we you know we always have a little fiddle faddle at the very beginning. Uh, Mark Schofield not here today. Uh, we love Mark, but he's not here. And Mark, in addition to his like many responsibilities around SB Nation, runs our F1 content coverage. Um, and Mark has been very busy in that capacity. What with uh, the Bahrain tasting, uh, tasting. I hope that was tasting, but testing happening last week. Uh, the new season of Drive to Survive that I have yet to start myself uh, premiering last weekend, and of course the Bahrain race this week. F1 is officially back. And I saw on the subject of picking teams, JP, that you tweeted saying you wanted to get into F1 this season and you were looking for a team. So do we have a choice? Have, do you want to unveil this? I still have not made a choice yet. I think I have narrowed it down to the final three, however. I think. In, Who are they? In my looking, uh, a lot of people recommended Haas because I'm a Jaguars fan and they assume that I want the F1 Jaguars. I'm not here for the F1 Jaguars. Jaguars Plus, their main, their main appeal was just lost. So, Jaguars, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. The, the regular Jaguars already stressed me out. I don't want to be mm-hmm. stressed out by the F1 Jaguars. So Fair. I think the team that, I, like I said, the team that I'm looking for was I wanted good vibes. So I think either the final three are Williams, McLaren, Lame. McLaren, McLaren, and mm-hmm. uh, whichever team Lewis Hamilton is on. That's the. Uh, well, that is soon to be Ferrari, and that is my chosen team. Um, I told I felt a, a draw to his his current team and soon to be former team in Mercedes, uh, and I was talking to Michael Kist about this, who is you know he and Mark are our resident F one experts, and then I just felt pulled to Ferrari and the pageantry and the mystique and the epicness. Um, as I ventured into my F one journey, I would come to find that they are the Dallas Cowboys of, uh, of F one. Yeah, uh, said, like. Ferrari so, and Cowboys. Yeah, but for my birthday, my wife got me a Ferrari polo, so I'm stuck. You know what I yeah. mean? That's where I'm at. So where you're, um, you're locked in. It is what it is. Uh, Rachel, uh, we have a, a challenge for you. Before the end of the show, you need to pick an F1 team. So while we're on, assuming you don't have one, I, I'm, that is an assumption on my end, Rachel. But uh, while we're on, of course, we know you're working very hard. Uh, Rachel has confirmed if she does not. Look them up, find one, and by the end, when you do all of your standard post-Monday Football Monday things, we expect you to tell us who your Formula One racing team is. Um, okay, JP, it is Monday, February 26th. As mentioned, the NFL Combine is starting in earnest this week. Um, so today we're going to go over just kind of thoughts, musings, generalities ahead of the combine um i have a few that i've written down myself do you want to start do you want me to go first how do you want this uh i think you go first and then i'll kind of rip off okay so this is going to be like horrible for the sake of this discussion but the combine's kind of pointless uh, at this point at least in terms of what it was originally decided or determined to be um it is an incredibly valuable networking tool for media members as well uh but you know some of the groundwork the foundation for trades and moves and future moves is obviously all laid uh when you know NFL dignitaries come together in a physical sense in Indianapolis, breaking bread, sharing steaks, uh, you know, lamenting over the spiciness of the shrimp cocktails at St. Elmo's, obviously. So it is valuable for that sense. But even JP, we have we have long made this claim that I'm I'm in the middle of right now and said, yeah, but at the very least, it provides information in a very valuable sense as it relates to medicals. Lo and behold, we found that on Monday morning, not that there's a real question about this, but Marvin Harrison Jr. isn't even going to take the medical testing. Like, what is the point of this thing? I mean, other than, you know, everyone getting together and shaking hands. Like, and and I don't, I'm not bothered by this. I just, that's just what I think. I think in the case of Marvin Harrison Jr., it is a very special case. 
Marvin Harrison Jr. is not testing. It's not because he's not he's scared of like running a slow. Yeah, forward. like I, I'm not pointing fingers at, at him. Just to be very clear, I'm just yes. noting the facts of it all. Yeah, like he he is a very special case and a special prospect who can just say I'm not doing any of it. If you want to see how fast I am, turn on the tape, and you will have three years of him running past the fastest opponents in the Big Ten and across the world of college football. I don't think he needs to do the combine testing. I think the combine is important, but I think how we discuss and how we look at the drills and testing has to improve as we learn more about the sport. 40-yard dash is important, yes, but how we watch it and how we determine what's important has to change. The, four, the overall 40 time might not be as important. Like, yes, it's good as a test of long speed, but the more important thing is that 10-yard split for every every player at every position. It, it measures explosiveness within a yard range that is going to be needed in the NFL. The NFL is unlike basketball or soccer where, where players are constantly moving. They are more operating in bursts of three to five seconds of really fast movement in 10-yard spans. That's where the 10-yard split matters. The 5-10-5 shuttles, the L drill really matters except when it's dk metcalf and dk metcalf is just bigger faster and stronger than everybody else um the broad jump and vertical jump they generate how, how explosive guys are in their lower body and how you can generate force that way the bench press we it's kind of antiquated but the bench press has also been kind of like just a thing when it comes to measuring overall strength but it's really just you don't really have to do it for football reasons. But I think there are still important things we can learn about a prospect at the combine that you can take back to film and be like, oh, this guy has a 42 inch vertical jump and an 11 1 broad jump. He is really explosive in his lower body. How does that match up on tape watching this guy on film? So I agree with everything you're saying. And that's what I'm not saying, like, throw the combine away, do away with the combine. It's just, I mean, it's, I don't, and I don't even want to say it's low priority. It's, it's just, it's a weird, it has a weird place where it's important. And we, we don't want to admit that it's not as important as we're making it out to be. You know what I mean? But it's, and some of what you said is also relevant or relative to like where we're at in the NFL. Uh, there was a great tweet on this subject uh, from good friend of blog and the boys, uh, David Hellman of Fox sports. Um, quoting the Albert Breer report about Marvin Harrison Jr. And he said, I love the way this stuff ebbs and flows. Ten years ago, you could find an edge by being dialed in on the specific drills that get you noticed during the draft process. And today you hear teams complain about how unprepared guys are for the grind of OTAs in camp because things like this. And it, it is, you know, there's you mentioned it like we're learning more about football. It's I don't say it's a cyclical thing, but football changes and football evaluation changes and talent changes and college football changes. And so all these things are constantly impacting the way the draft process, you know, exists and thrives. And that's why, you know, you obviously talked about the 40 yard dash. That's kind of the signature event of the combine. It really like it's cool and it's fun and it's kind of a throwback nostalgic thing. But it's also kind of like, nah, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's, it's really, I don't know that. I don't know that anything that happens here can dramatically change your opinion on a player is maybe the best way to put it. Yeah. It's not, it's nothing that really can dramatically change, but it's cool to see athletic guys do athletic things. I think at the end of the day, what the combine is, is a way for the NFL to make an entire week of content and mm -hmm. have their television and have their cameras in Indianapolis on these guys doing very athletic things. And you can show it to kids and be like, Hey, if you want to be like this guy, you got to run like this. 
knowing that the pro days aren't necessarily going to be televised. Not every pro day is going to be televised. You might get like a couple swings or like a couple minutes, but this is the only real access we'll have to these guys doing the big things and the things that make that make you want to watch. And it's cool to see the athletic guys do athletic things. It does speak to the value of local journalism, obviously, but of the internet You on the subject of pro days, like, yeah, like, I don't know, like NFL network will go to like the USC pro day or whatever. But to your point, it's so difficult to really discern anything that, you know, a reporter who's there that tweets a video could be like the most important, you know, video element that the general public gets, obviously, um, as far as people not in attendance. So, okay, that was a good, you know, that was a good riff. What do you got for me? Let's riff. So I think the big thing coming out of the combine this week is the quarterbacks. Like we said, with a lot of guys who aren't going to uh, be testing, Caleb Williams not going to be throwing. Jane Daniels not going to be testing. I don't think Drake May is going to test. What do you make of all the quarterbacks seemingly not taking, like doing the throwing when last year CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, all through at the combine and all whether or not we whether we judge them or not all made impacts in their first years so i mean i don't want to just use hindsight but i feel like at this time a year ago it was pretty consensus that bryce Young was going to go number one overall i can't remember when carolina traded um but it was still pretty consensus, obviously, that he was going to be the top quarterback taken. There was some discourse, obviously, as it related to Stroud, as it related to Richardson, um, even Will Levis, whatever. But I think generally in our current, I don't want to call it era, but the only quarterbacks who you see throw have some sort of ground to, to improve upon, some sort of ground to gain. Even Will Levis didn't really have any ground to gain last year. You know what I mean? I mean, obviously, he went in the second round, but I think like the the quarterback that always comes to mind for me is like Paxton Lynch, like Paxton Lynch kind of moved his way into the first round throughout the entire pre-draft process. And now, I mean, like you, you listed them, like what are the quarterbacks ranked? Uh, what are the, how are the quarterbacks ranked in your, on your board right now? Um, <laughs> So on my, on my big board, I have Caleb Williams and Drake may, I think may is three Williams is four. And then Jane Dang overall, you're saying overall, Overall, yeah, Drake yeah. May is third, Caleb Williams is fourth, then Jaden Daniels is 15th, and J.J. McCarthy is 35th. Okay, so um, you've got Caleb, Drake, um, Jaden, J.J. Those are your top four quarterbacks? Those are my top four. Okay, so to answer your question, like, nothing that could happen could improve anybody's stock. Like, on your like nothing could happen this week to where you would go, you know what, I'm going to put, you know, Jane Daniels ahead of Jake May. Nothing. Like, I, absolutely nothing. But something could happen, conceivably, at least it's more likely something could happen to where you would say, you know what, I might have to reconsider J.J. McCarthy over Jane Daniels. Like, you know, it's crazy. Like, I, and you might start falling for or, or starting to, like, buy in and take the cheese that, you know, like Harbaugh and people are offering you. And so I think when when the quarterback class is pretty chalk the way it seems to be right now and nothing against your board. Cause it's the best, obviously. But like, I think most boards would agree with, with in terms of quarterback ranking, like uh, unless somebody's just zigging where everybody's zagging right now. And I'm not saying that that's the only case. Some people just like different prospects more than others, but no quarterback that has anything to gain is ever going to throw, but all of them have some, even Caleb Williams has something to lose. If he were to come out and, you know, like think about the discourse we've gotten in, in years past with, tiny hands or whatever like that their hands that don't measure up like you only like you're, you're so close to making life-changing money and to achieving your ultimate goal that it's just it's simply not worth it in a non-controllable environment yeah i think 
the throwing drills at the combine are more for guys like Spencer Rattler or Michael Pratt. Totally. Very well said. Day two guys. I mean, even Bo, Bo Nix and Michael Penix. Those are those are drills that they have to do in order to be like, oh, we're a day two guy now. Maybe we can work our way into late day one. I don't think it'll happen, but I think late day one, maybe, or maybe you're a day three guy, like potentially like a Sam Hartman, who can move their way up into day two, mm -hmm. potentially with a good day at the combine and a good throwing at the pro day. So I think the throwing drills, like you said, are more for guys with some with a whole lot to prove. Got right. guys that aren't necessarily entrenched in that first round and more of the day two and day three guys who can really make the make a name for themselves with throwing well at the pro day or not pro day, the combine. Joe Milton from Tennessee is going to break a lot of people's brains at the combine because he can throw the ball really, really far. There is a uh, there's a clip of him uh, before the Orange Bowl in 2022 throwing an orange. 100 yards legitimately 100 yards from goal line to goal line and it's the not, not to do the like i could do that thing thing but like throwing an orange for a talented athlete isn't really like it's got to be you know i like like jay cutler could launch an orange like 500 yards like, easily you know what i mean like but what i'm saying is people are going to fall in love with joe milton because of the the size and the arm strength not necessarily like the way I've described Joe Milton is he can throw the ball over a mountain, but the receiver was in front of the mountain. Like it's he, there's some issues with accuracy a little bit, but he's probably going to make a lot of waves at the combine because he's going to throw the ball really far and really hard. They have the GPS or not the G, not the GPS, but they have the, uh, the little tracker that uh, shows how hard somebody can throw a football. Joe Milton's probably mm -hmm. going to break that. He's probably going to explode. Yeah, and but Joe Milton has something to gain. Like if Joe Milton can have like one talked about thing, like it it can significantly improve. It can improve him by a round. You know what I mean? Like that just can't happen. You know, and even if even if JJ McCarthy wanted to throw, like you're talking about improving your draft status by like one or two picks, like it's it's not worth the risk that you know could accompany any sort of other thing. Like you're so close you have to have tunnel vision for the next two months to get to the nfl draft and after that you know obviously the circumstances change yeah that was a good riff yeah good riff good riff uh next up for me this is really nothing but since the combine hasn't started i wanted to throw it out and i kind of feel like we're about to make a meal out of appetizers so this is the triple dipper uh from chili's meal that you and i are about to Wonderful. split um if you have to defend not that this is even uh, something that requires a defense but if you have to defend the only reported coaches that I've seen who are not attending uh, are Mike McCarthy, Sean McVay, and Robert Sala. Is there a list that I'm missing? There are names that Those you're aware of that I'm not? That I've seen. Okay. If you have to defend each of their absence from the NFL Combine, go. You can go whatever order you want. So Sean McVay, very obvious why Sean McVay is not doing the Combine. The Rams have kind of been the, on the cutting edge of using GPS tracking. So instead of using the 40-yard dash, they use GPS. Cooper Cup didn't run very fast combine, but his GPS tracker when he's playing the games was a lot faster. They drafted Cooper Cup in the second round. Rest is history. Did the same thing with Puka Nakua. Drafted him in the fifth. We all know how that happened. We know that we all know how that ended up. So Sean McVay has kind of earned the, I guess I'm not to say like he's earned the right, but he's earned the privilege of like saying like, yeah, we're not gonna do the combine this week, this year. Like he, they can say that because they have all the GPS tracking and the data 
to make informed decisions without seeing guys in tights running 40 yards. Um, Mike McCarthy, I think, is a little more interesting, but I think Dallas's track record of good drafts in the past, especially with Stephen Jones and Will McClay in the front office, they have done a very good job of drafting from top to bottom. And I don't think they necessarily need to do, you know, all the combine hoopla because they also have those data tracking numbers. They were also at the Shrine Bowl and Frisco because that's right in their backyard. They have mm-hmm. access to every player because they are the Dallas Cowboys. The Jets, okay. little, the Jets are a little more interesting. I think that's a very odd one because Robert Sala is kind of entering a make or break year. But well, so is Mike McCarthy for that matter. But the, so the drama he, is a little bit more unique for Sala. I agree with you. Yeah, Sala, like they have to make the playoffs. Like Mike McCarthy <laughs> has made the playoffs in, I believe, every year he's been the Dallas every, head coach. Except for except for the first one when Dak was when hurt. Dak got, so. When Dak got hurt. Every year that Dak was healthy, they made the playoffs. I think he is kind of unless they catastrophically collapse down the down the stretch, Mike, Mike McCarthy's probably gonna be safe. Robert Sala has this year to do the thing. And it's you have to do it now because defense is good and you'll get Aaron Rodgers. I think they get, especially where they are when it comes to they need offensive line help. And this offensive line class is very versatile and very good. I think it would benefit them to actually see those guys in person at the combine, see the testing, get the medicals, because they need to hit on an offensive lineman. The Makai Becton pick has not worked out. Elijah Vera Tucker and Joe Tipman are the only two certifiable like guys on that offensive line, and they are a center and right guard slash right tackle slash left guard. So you, you need to hit on one of those offensive linemen, and they have the 10th overall pick. There's a lot of moving and shaking that can be done at the, at the combine when it comes to trading up and trading down. There have been a lot of rumors that teams are looking to trade up. I I think Atlanta is one of those teams that like are potentially looking to trade up. There's always New England, like, oh, the threat of New England trading back. I don't think that'll happen, but it's still like Patriots voodoo. Like they can trade back if they want to and find a great player. But I think they actually need to be there more than Dallas and or more than Mike McCarthy and Sean McVay just to kind of be like, hey, we actually take this seriously. We are not a team motivated by Aaron Rodgers making decisions in the front office. So I think they're all interesting, but Sean McVay has kind of earned the the benefit of the doubt with not going to the combine. I agree that Robert Sala is the most like, huh, that's bold. You know what I mean? Like um, Sean McVay is obviously the least. Uh, Mike McCarthy, I I don't have the same same context for the others, but didn't attend last year. He did attend for um, his kind of, I don't call it opening press conference, but he attended, he spoke to the media, and then he just got out of Dodge um, to to work on, you know, setting up what became the offensive game plan. And I think, you know, that was justified at the very least. So, um, but yeah, Robert Sala, um, this feels a little bit like, dude, it almost feels like we don't want you to have an opportunity to speak and to have anything negative come out. Like, this is just, we all, we all just need to shut up and keep our heads down. So they need that's my take. They the Jets need an entire offseason of nobody talking about the Jets. Like mm-hmm. I think that's they, a great point. They need all the cameras away from them. But you can't really get that when number eight's your quarterback. So okay. That was well said. 
Let's go riff. You got this. So my next riff is with the franchise tag and T Higgins being the first guy to get tagged. Um, we're going to see a lot of free agent and free agent meetings happening at the combine. Right. Everybody's going to be there. There's a really interesting group of receivers and skill position talent entering free agency this year. And outside of T Higgins, how many receivers do you foresee getting the franchise tag? Um, well, who's really eligible that makes sense? You know what I mean? Like I, you know, he was, he was the one name and I don't even think that they're going to negotiate a long-term deal with him because I don't, you know, they still have to pay Jamar Chase. This just feels like a, like a placeholder of a situation. Like we'll run this back for 2024, but then you can hit free agency next year. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think like I, that's the ultimate decision there. Like they, they're going to, this is the year, you know, they, they got to make that run this year. But the receivers, uh, Mike Evans, potentially available for a tag. There's no way he's getting tagged. I don't no think way. he's getting tagged because Winfield is also a free agent and Devontae David is also a free agent. I think Winfield gets a tag. Evans either gets the deal or he walks. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr. from Indianapolis is going to be no a free way. agent. I actually think he gets tagged. I think th- I think he You think tagged. Michael Pittman Jr. gets tagged? Yes, Michael Pittman Jr. is good. I'm I no no no, I'm not like my point isn't like he sucks. My point is that I just what is what is the tag value? Twenty two million dollars for wide receiver? Like, yeah. I mean, dude, I just. I'm although I mean, you, well, you've got the rookie, you've got the rookie quarterback contract. Like, you, you might as well, contract. like, you know what I mean? Like, like you might as well carpe diem. Just, yeah, you've I already got, you've got the rookie quarterback contract. Jonathan Taylor is already under a deal for I think the next three right. years. They are currently per over the cap. They are one, two, three, four. They're fifth. In cap space entering 2024, they can do they have a lot of moves that they can make to improve that roster. And I think tagging Pittman wouldn't necessarily be like a big chunk because if you look at all their other receivers, they're all rookies or young guys. Alec Pierce is gonna be in his second year, third, third, third year, third year. year. Josh Downs is gonna be in his second year. Like there's a lot of room they can they have to make a lot of deals and Tagging Pittman just seems like the one that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, this feels like um, like a little bit of like a it's a cheat day for the Colts. You know what I mean? So they could get like a bigger slice of cake than usual because they have the like room for flexibility. I can kind of see that. Okay, I think that's way more likely than Mike Evans, but I don't think that he might be the only other one. Just because like for the four hundredth year in a row, the draft is super deep at wide receiver, right? Like you just don't. Ha- you you mentioned it. The Colts last year drafted Josh Downs. You know what I mean? Like, so that's why you can just tag Michael Pittman Jr. and, you know, ride this year out and then live with him and Alec Pierce beyond the season and whoever else you ultimately draft this year. The cycle never ends. What I'm interested as kind of a tangential sort of point within your point is what do we hear about the pending contracts for Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and CeeDee Lamb? Those are the three big ones this offseason. CeeDee was eligible for an extension last year and the Cowboys didn't get it done. And whichever one gets paid last is going to be the richest. And so it's my hope that the Cowboys get this done ASAP. They obviously have the Dak Prescott situation and Micah Parsons situation lurking as well. But which one of those do you think we get a story about first? I think it's probably Jamar Chase because we got the T. Higgins thing. And we hear about how the Bengals are really trying to go all in. They see the Chiefs as the kings in the AFC and they really want to challenge them. They know they can hang with the Chiefs, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, we asked uh, Jamar and T about this up close and personal at the Super Bowl. So that's that's my prediction that we get a, a, some breadcrumbs on Jamar Chase. So I think the first guy we hear news out news about is Justin Jefferson. 
I think there has been a lot of weird like rumors about Jefferson and the Vikings and the Vikings overall. Like, I think there's the whole like, oh, they didn't pay him at first. They're going to trade him or they're going to give him a long term deal. I don't think they're going to trade Justin Jefferson. I really, really, really don't. I don't think that makes any sense in terms of where the Vikings are when it comes to their franchise. And if you're rebuilding, if they want to rebuild, there's no better piece to rebuild around than the best receiver in football. That's not that's not a very smart thing to do when you're rebuilding and trade away that guy. And so a rookie quarterback is throwing to Jordan Addison, who is very good, but, you know, it, it helps have Jordan, Jordan Addison and Justin Jefferson. So I think we hear news about Justin Jefferson first, and then we get the uh, – then we get CD, then Jamar, because I think the Bengals have a lot of impending free agents. They have to get squared away before that extension. I think this upcoming, like outside of 2021, we still have to do the Tua extension, which is going to be really interesting. I was asked about what number, what number makes sense for the Tua extension. I think he gets somewhere. So looking at, I was looking at it in terms of uh, quarterback APY, and per over the cap, I think Jared Goff makes $33.5 a year. But that extension, that's another guy who's going to be extended coming soon. Geno Smith is getting – Geno Smith is next behind Jared Goff at $25 million. I think Tua is somewhere in that range. I think he gets 27 28 because you, you can't realistically go over if you're the Dolphins. But I think that's a good range for Tua. And it'll also set the table for whatever happens with the next guys that end up getting big money contracts. Uh, I suppose this is another like riff or a raff on the riff. Um, is it fair to say this is probably the biggest contract that Tua is ever going to get? Like if you had to bet. Like we, we don't think he's getting a second extension of this variety. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to open the Tua discourse, but like that's a fair bet to make. Maybe you don't you wouldn't make it, but that's a fair assumption to make. Is that not a fair a, thing to say? It's a fair assumption. It's a fair. Assumption okay. To make. So, you know, when you're at this level, you got to reckon with reality to some degree and you're to a, I'm your agent. And I'm not trying to do the like hot take thing, but like, I think there's merit to saying, you know what, dude, we got to hold out. Like, we don't know that this bag is ever going to come like this again. We, we have to force the like, franchise quarterback money hand we absolutely have to because you the Dak thing is coming and i i think it again is absurd to pay to a 60 million dollars a year if that's what it comes down to but like if you don't have Tua, what do you have if you're the dolphins and all of a sudden you have mike mcdaniel entering year three with no real playoff success to show for it and the pressure and conversation is getting louder and louder and louder and louder and then you have tyreek tweeting who knows what you know what i mean like I, I would kind of force the issue if I was to, because you don't know. You, you, it's the same argument we talked about with quarterbacks not throwing at the combine. Um, additionally, and I don't mean to poke at sensitive wounds, but there's the Trevor Lawrence situation kind of hovering in the distance as well. How, um, how nervous are you? Um, it really depends. I, I think they're going to end up getting that long-term deal done. I think the fifth-year option is actually like really relatively light because – Trevor Lawrence did make a Pro Bowl in 2022, but that was as an alternate. So he only gets the 25 million for uh, the fifth year option, which is really helpful right. in terms of team building. But eventually, you're gonna have to pay him a lot of money. Um, I think, 
I am very worried about where the team is going in this upcoming in this upcoming year because there's still nothing when it comes to the Josh Allen extension. I think he ends up getting tagged. Um, Calvin Ridley was another guy who I was going to bring up for receivers that could potentially get the tag, but I don't think he's going to get tagged. I think they have a kind of gentleman's deal. It I I'm going to assume they have a gentleman's deal in place where like. We're going to re-sign you, but it won't be until after the league year starts because then we can kind of skirt around giving Atlanta a second-round pick and we can only give them a three because they'd have to give them a second if he, if they extend him before the new league year starts. So I think they're going to end up extending or they're going to re-sign uh, Ridley. I just don't know, man. I, I want to be excited about this team, but I – Trent Baalke makes me not excited. That's really that's really it. This is a tough scene, man. I mean, like, I don't know how to feel for you. I want to be supportive and I want to be in, but I mean, I don't know. I think you have to pay Trevor. Yeah. But I, I think I I just if I don't know that there will be discourse if Trevor gets paid. I, I mean, I I don't know what that will be like. It's very easy to imagine what it will be like if Tua gets paid, but it's very difficult to kind of see how the internet would feel about Trevor. Because a lot of most people have no beef with Trevor, like they're fine with him. But I mean, I not that he's you know subpar by any stretch, but like there is a little bit more left to be desired right now from the Jaguars. Yeah, Trevor is very very good, and Trevor has also kind of masked a lot of actual problems with the Jaguars because the entire offense is built on Trevor help us, Trevor save us. That's probably going to be the plan going into 2024. But, I mean, you, you got to pay him. He's very good. I think they're going to end up getting a deal done. If not this year, it'll end up being this time next year. Um, But, yeah, the quarterback deals that are probably going to end up getting done, Jared Goff, the Jared Goff extension uh. is going to – that's going to be a day on here uh, along with Tua. Depending on who gets paid first, like, that could really – like, what if Tua holds out for a signing extension to wait until Jared Goff signs his deal. And then it's like, I want the Jared Goff money. But with the I mean, Dolphins, it's it's really difficult with the Dolphins because the Dolphins don't have a lot of cap space. They're they might they might have to let uh they have to re-sign Wilkins, they have to re-sign Robert Hunt potentially. Andrew Van Ginkle is going to be your free agent. You have the upcoming extension for Jalen Waddle coming up. There's a lot of stuff they have to do, and they are over the cap right now. So it's going to be really weird. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens. This week promises a lot of NFL fruit. We just have to pluck it off the tree and we have to, you know, some of it you got to peel, some of it you got to chop up, some of you got to put in the refrigerator. Um, and that's what we will certainly do at SB Nation, uh, both at .com and across the uh, various team properties. Do you have any other riffs that you would like to raff, JP? Um, any other riffs that I would like to raff? Um, who to you, is the most interesting team going into the draft and free agency this year? I, I would offer the Lions, but that, that feels like low-hanging fruit because they have a lot of salary cap space, too. I mean, because the core of their nucleus is all on their rookie contract. So, like, I mean, I know they got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson last year, but can they convince high-profile free agents? Uh, nothing to 
you know, nothing against Detroit, but you know, we just haven't seen that. You know what I mean in a free agency era. So can can they do that? Um, I'm also curious which I can't believe they got him player the Chiefs are gonna get. It feels like Mike Evans, obviously. Um, but there's there will be one that is we've reached the like the phase of the Chiefs dynasty or the Patriots where it's like, oh, he's a chief. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah, that guy, they'll get him for cheap. Like, um, I also think the Texans. I mean, the, the Texans just as much have every access, every bit of access to the rookie contract. I certainly advocate against paying running backs big money, but I would love it. I, like for some reason, I, it, it feels allowable in my mind for the Texans to go out and sign Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley. Like I, I really want to see that that reality and go out and sign whoever else. Like I, the Texans have to load up. You have to load up for Bears. So I, I would put the Lions, the Texans. Uh, I don't want to have the Chiefs there. Um, I guess I'll go the Panthers. Because I also want to see, does everybody just agree that they're a dumpster fire or does money talk? And because they have no draft capital, right? Like no serious draft capital. So what can they do in free agency? Because they might be the most DOA team as far as 2024 is concerned, for obvious reasons. The, the problem with the Panthers is, like you said, they have no draft capital and they don't have a lot of cap space. And they also have a lot of guys on that roster who might not actually want to be there. Brian Burns might not actually want to be in Carolina. Jeremy Chin does not want to be in Carolina. So they have a lot of guys that they have to kind of either hope they change their mind about the uh, the franchise or they have to let them walk. And then you're thinking about replacing a Brian Burns caliber player with a rookie and you don't have a lot of draft picks. Um, I think my most interesting teams, the first one was the Minnesota Vikings. I think the Vikings are in a really, really fun spot when it comes to how they want to build their team. Uh, Daniil Hunter, going to be a free agent. DJ Wanham, going to be a free agent. Marcus Davenport, going to be a free agent. That's top. Their top three edges are all going to be free agents. Kirk Cousins has to – the whole Kirk Cousins deal is another one of those uh, where it's like, oh, boy, we'll see what happens. On the subject of Kirk, have you seen the video floating around today on Monday? No, I haven't. There's, Kirk tweeted a video um, an hour – it's two videos, actually. I'm looking at it right now. Almost four months in, in now, dot, 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 encouraged by the progress, grateful for all the help around us. And it's just a couple of videos of him, you know, throwing. Kirk is a smart man. We all, like, his bank account reflects that. Kirk knows that this video will be played on phones all throughout Lucas Oil Stadium this week from one executive to another. Um, so this is this is Kirk Cousins, you know, um, experiment week for a lot of teams. I agree with you. And, and that will shape the Vikings, obviously, as well. Yeah, that will shape the Vikings. I think last year they were... They were hoping to trade up for Anthony Richardson, but I don't think this year there's an Anthony Richardson caliber player in this rookie class. So I think their best bet is to re-sign Kirk and kind of go in and see how much, how far you can go with Kirk and this retooled roster and this defense that won a lot without having a lot there. So you get some blue chip guys in there in that defensive room. You maybe go sign a Legarius Need to kind of boost that defensive set, that secondary a little bit. Let's see. Let's see how far you can go. Um, the other team that I'm really intrigued by is the Arizona Cardinals. That they finished, they finished on a high note. They they weren't very good, but they played hard for Jonathan Gannon, which is a big plus after kind of that off season where Jonathan Gannon looked like an NPC from Skyrim talking to the uh, talking to the team. But they play hard. The Kyler thing they just tweeted out like Kyler's our QB one which is right. very funny because they tweeted out a few years ago, Josh Rosen is their QB one. Then they let jo then they drafted Kyler Murray and let Josh Rosen walk. I don't think that's going to happen this year, but they have, I believe 
I believe they're top 10 in cap space going into this offseason. They don't have a lot of needed free agents to sign. They have a whole defensive roster that needs upheaval, and you're probably going to be walking into Marvin Harrison Jr., the fourth overall pick. There's a lot of stuff they can do there to improve that roster, to improve that team. And then if we're doing three of them, I'm going to do one more that I think would actually be a very fun Saquon Barkley fit and a very – this team that would do this, this move, and it's the Los Angeles Rams. I think the Rams have a really, really interesting offseason ahead of them because they kind of did the most with the least this past year, you know, getting to the playoffs with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup, both on the wrong side of 30 and a rookie receiver who ended up being amazing, phenomenal, and a defensive roster that kind of wasn't good. So now they have cap space. They have a first-round draft pick for the first time in what feels like forever. This feels like a very pivotal year in terms of getting some more blue-chip talent in there. Or if they want to just go F them picks again and go trade it for a guy like Brian Burns in a tag-and-trade, they can they can do that. They were linked to Brian Burns for the last couple of Forever. years. And the Panthers didn't do business. So now that he's a free agent, they can go do that. You can go sign a Saquon Barkley and get really explosive in that offense. I think they have a lot um, of really cool things they can do. So the Rams one is kind of interesting relative to Saquon. I agree with you on the Cardinals. So I do wonder if the Cardinals' second first-round pick, the the Texans' original one, not the Texans' one that's the Browns, um, that they still own, I wonder if that's J.J. McCarthy fifth-year option range for somebody. Like, that would that's like the fever dream, I think, for Arizona. Is you walk into Marvin Harrison Jr., and then somebody is that desperate for J.J. McCarthy that they come up and you, you, you just continue to turn, you know, you're – uh, you're Dwight with the um, the bean in that episode of The Office, just turning into more and more and more and more. Um, I like that. Um, I also like the Kirk Cousins element of this, and that leads me to one final point that I'm kind of interested to see what we get as far as this week is concerned. We're already, JP, starting to get, I wouldn't even call them breadcrumbs as much as they're like full-out pieces of bread. It's like when people go feed ducks and they just throw the whole slice. Russell Wilson is not going to leave Denver without a fight. Like, or I don't want to say without a fight. He's not going to leave Denver with the image that this was all his fault. Uh, and we have already seen the Russ smear the Broncos campaign begin. I don't have a problem with it. I'm highly entertained by it all. So I, I want to see more of it. But that's my sort of take is I think we're going to get a lot more pro Russ, you know, information about his tenure with the Broncos this week. Oh, we're going to get so much content from the from Russ and Sean Payton. And Sean Payton has not been shy about like, openly going after players and coaches and franchises in his second stint with the uh as an NFL head coach. I I hope that we just turn this into like a soap opera. I hope it just get I hope we just get oh. full on chaos. I want car wreck. There's so there everyone's kind of catching up now, even though this has been known for a long time, that Russ could take the vet minimum with his new team to help them financially and screw over the Broncos. Um it is not beyond Sean Payton to address that and, and to say something like, you know, I, you know, Russ acts like he's this high character. Dude. Like you're, like you're saying, like he'll go below the belt. You know what I mean? Like why wouldn't Russ negotiate a deal as far as what he's worth? Why would we be on Russ's mind if we're not together? Again, I'm so excited for this. Like I'm, I'm very, very, I, the Broncos are this, we don't get drama like this with the Broncos. Are we, we didn't before all this, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of nice to see a team that like, you know, drama happens with the jets and like, cool. Yeah, it's fun. 
but you know, it's kind of the same old, same old. You know what I mean? I mean? This is kind of interesting. Board. We got quick to board with the Jets drama because it was mainly just Aaron Rodgers being the uh, the meme of Eric Andre and Hamble Burris, where it's like, bam, why did why did they do this? Like, why did the media do this when it was Aaron Rodgers' oh. fault? But by the way, um, Aaron Rodgers was the answer why Robert Sala was not going to the combine because he's the real coach. You know what I mean? So. Oh yeah, they, you, missed, you missed that. Just avoid all avoid all Aaron Rodgers questions going into. Are uh, are we ready to riff raff out of here and find out who Rachel's F one team is? I think I'm ready. Okay, Rachel, if you could please join us and um, number one, offer any thoughts or musings or riff raffs you have about the combine that's starting this week. Two, uh, let us know who is lucky enough to be your Formula One racer. <laughs> and three, of course, who the MFWWP is. Um. Starting with combine, I mean, it is interesting to like kind of see, you know, after the combine, like when people are putting out like the winners and losers based on like who, you know, really stood out. Um, but like you guys said, it's kind of like other than that, I don't really understand the hype anymore. Um, so that's really all I have to say about that. But stay on the lookout for our winners and losers, especially at BGN because we will be dropping those. Um, the winner that I chose for my FS1 team. F1. F FS1 is the channel. Okay, okay. F1. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not my yeah. area at all. Uh, and I didn't have that much time to research. But based off of what I saw, I went with Mercedes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that oh, was yeah. because of Lewis Hamilton in yep. um, Russell. But he's going to a new team. I saw that. He's going to Ferrari next year. This is his last season with Mercedes. Yes. So I respect that. You know, he wants to be challenged a little bit more. He's been with them for a while. So he wants a new beginning. I'm here for it. Um, also, based off of what I was like looking into, he uses his voice a lot um, and his platform to promote like diversity and inclusion, especially in this sport where you don't see a lot of like minority drivers. Um, and so I respect that. And also, you guys know I love sneakers. You guys know I love drip. And based off of his Instagram, I'm like, he dresses very, very well. He's really in the fashion. He knows how to put it on. And he's just very successful. And he has a lot of passions and stuff that he does outside of that. I saw that he, like, wants to go into, like, Hollywood and acting. And, like, he can sing a little bit. He owns an NFL team. So based off of the few things that I found, I'm like, that's what I'm rocking with. Uh, it's a great choice. Um, maybe you're just a Lewis stan and you ride yes. with him wherever I'm he goes. Where he so goes. Right. Right now it's Mercedes. Um, he is a, an incredible advocate. He's trying to get, a, I don't know exactly where, but he wants a, a, an F1 race in Africa. Um, they, and Mark has done a lot of work on this. So uh, read his, everyone should read yeah. his work. Uh, but um, F1 races all over the world. And F1, or F1, uh, Lewis wants to make sure that they get a race in Africa. So he's also a, uh, a really impressive person. Yeah. He's also been knighted. He is Sir Lewis Hamilton. He, that's true. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Wow. So next season, you're joining us at Ferrari, Rachel. Well, I'll save a seat. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. MF double MVP. I'm going to give it to JP today. Wow. <laughs> okay. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. I will. There's no, no explanation. Just. I'm going to go to JV. Yeah, he deserves. Sometimes the vibes are like that. Some, sometimes it is what it is. They don't think it'd be like it is, but it do. <laughs> but thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, RJ, for riffing and rapping with me about the Combine mm -hmm. and some things we're going to hear. And I'm really excited to watch the Combine this year and kind of see what prospects kind of make their make their jump from like day three to day two or day two and early day two, late day one, because there are going to be guys who are going to start 
filtering into prospect boards and big boards and mock drafts that we saw blow up at the combine. Okay. Um, let's get out of here. Uh, and as we do, JP, as the winner of MFWP, can you please give us um, an F1 car starting sound effect? <laughs> I don't think I can. I don't think I know the sound. You can. You can. Oh, right. Just channel it. Okay. Here, how about this? And I don't mean to put a lot of pressure on you, except I do. Channel your inner Lightning McQueen. Okay. Now do this. Okay. So they're more high pitched. I think. So it's like, like that. That was great. That was great. Yeah.